Hey, you. Yes, you. Are you listening on your phone? Okay, good deal. Go ahead and do me a favor. Hop on social media and follow the Camp Kids podcast, especially on Instagram. I am wanting to continue to build this community and to start sharing ideas and even some sneak peeks. Do you want to contribute to the show without having to sit down and interview? This is definitely for you. I'll be posting polls and questions for listeners to be able to share what they would like to hear on this podcast. So please go and like us and follow us and share it out to all your friends. Hey, Camp Kids. Welcome back to the Camp Kids podcast. I'm your host, Joe Bob, and I'm on a mission to bring together a community of camp people from around the world. Whether you are currently in your camp career or it's been a while since you've been at camp, when you're with us, you're at home. You've probably noticed that this podcast has had a lot of staffers from this so-called camp called Camp Sacagawea in Boone, Iowa. Having so many camp people continue their camp career wouldn't be possible without the person we're speaking to with today. This is Rafiki, everybody, and Rafiki has been the camp director at Camp Sacagawea since 2015. She has created a wonderful environment for not only campers, but for staff members to have a positive camp experience. Rafiki has been a, a big camp mentor of mine for so long and shares her fun and unique take on the outdoor experience. So without further ado, let's meet Rafiki. Hi, Rafiki. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm fabulous. Thank you so much for being on the Camp Kids podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Why don't you tell us and the listeners who you are and where you're speaking to us from today? Yeah, I'm Abby Smith. I am the camp director at Girl Scout Camp Sacagawea in Boone, and I am actually speaking to you from my home, which is not at camp. I live in Newton when it's not the summertime. Awesome. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now, I'm very curious to know about your background history as a camper as well. Did you grow up going to camps? If so, which camps did you go to and with what organization and for how long? Yeah, so I did grow up going to camp. I joined Girl Scouts in second grade as a brownie and then a camp packet came in the mail and was very excited and I went with three of my troop members to Camp Tanglefoot in Clear Lake and then I went every summer but one to Tanglefoot. That one summer I had a friend who lived closer to Camp Sacagawea actually and I went to Camp Sacagawea one time as a kid. Um... And I didn't love it. I was probably one of the most homesick campers you have ever had. (laughs) Went back to Camp Tanglefoot and I always went with a friend. So I went through all of the CIT program and then I worked at Camp Tanglefoot for five years. (laughs) And then I moved on to be a camp director after that. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about your experience as a staff member. Had you always had your heart set on Camp Tanglefoot since that's where you grew up? And what kind of positions did you have? Yeah, so growing up at Camp Tanglefoot, I knew obviously that like Camp Sacagawea existed. When I was a kid, there were five different camps in what we now have as our council in Iowa. And so I knew that they existed. But growing up and as I got older into middle school and high school, there wasn't really any question about working at other camps I didn't really have a concept of 
there are other camps out there that I could work at. So my friends and I, our heart was set on working at Camp Tanglefoot and their CIT program is awesome still and was awesome then. I grew up in a group of, I think there were 32 or 36 of us, like high school students as CITs. Um, Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot. They were some of the biggest years of CIT groups, I think, that we've had in a really long time. And my first summer on staff, there were like 12 of us, I think. That may be a a bit more than there were. I feel like there were 12 of us that got hired as first year staff. So that was kind of crazy too. So I always wanted to work there. I was a unit counselor. I was a ropes course facilitator. Um, I went on to be a unit leader. And then the summer that I was supposed to be the business director, I needed an internship for my major at Iowa State. And Julia, who is the camp director still, um, asked me if I would consider being the camp director up at Joy Hollow in Sioux City. So I went up there for my internship and got a full-time job from there. That's fantastic. Yeah. Did you always know that you wanted to be a camp director full-time? No, definitely not. <laughs> I or I started college as a pre-med student. I thought I was going to be a doctor because um, I really enjoyed science. That, you know how you think back to when you were a kid and like, and you know, now you can look back on them. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but um I can look back and think when I was a ninth grader in challenge camp is what it's called. Another kid came into our group on the last day and her mom knew the camp director and it was just the group she was going to hang out with. And the camp director made an offhand comment about like, she's going to be the camp director here someday. And I remember (laughs) thinking, no, I'm going to be the camp director someday. And I don't know why I would have thought that that wasn't my plan. Um, but now looking back, I'm like, wow, I did think that (laughs) and it turned out that's what happened. (laughs) Wow. That's awesome. Tell us a little bit more about your role now as a camp director and how long that you've been in this role. Yeah, I started, like I said, my first year as a camp director was my internship for college. So, uh, in 2012, I was the camp director up in Sioux city at Camp Joy Hollow. And I was there for two full summers full summers being this is like the tiniest camp I've ever been at there were only 32 kids per week I had six staff it was the perfect place to start out honestly and then in 2014 I was split between Camp Sacagawea and Camp Joy Hollow and then I've been the director at Camp Sacagawea since 2015 so very interesting I don't know if you knew this Joe Bob but before I got to Camp Sacagawea there were only really seasonal camp directors um, for the most part. So they were only there, uh, you know, on average two years at a time. No, I did not know that. I had always assumed it was kind of a full-time position. So then did yeah. you kind of help making it become more of a full-time role instead of just a seasonal? Yeah, the consistency that we've seen, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but the consistency <laughs> that we've seen has been, has really changed like how camp works. I think it's just even the staff, like I can go back to 2015 and talk to staff and their experience is very similar to the staff now even. Absolutely. And I mean, I would say that this podcast so far has had a lot of people that have gone through Camp Sacagawea when you have been in charge. So feel free to toot your own horn. Everybody else is (laughs) tooting for you as well. Obviously you guys are doing something amazing to keep the incredible program that you've got going. So Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear that you were in that process to help make it more of a full time. So then what do you do when you're not at camp? What what are some of those um, tasks and jobs that you do to 
in the off season, I guess. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you for not asking. Like, what do you do when you're not, you know, working? I don't know. People ask that question all the time, but what do you actually do in the, like when <laughs> you're not at camp, right? So a lot of the job is hiring. So we hire about 40 to 50 staff every summer and a third of that is returning. A third of it is usually international and then a third is brand new. So everything from recruiting to interviewing to planning out staff training, which is one of my favorite things to do, putting together all the paperwork that staff need and answering questions. So a lot of it is staffing. And then I also get to put together the programs for the camp book. So Girl Scout camps, something unique about them is that all their sessions are very themed. Typically, there's a few that aren't, um, a few camps that don't run that way, but we have Harry Potter camp, we have science camp, we have water camp. And so I get to put together all those fun activities and promises that we put in our camp book for girls and um, put that out. So that's a big part of my job too. Oh, absolutely. Are you involved in any programming during like the fall and the spring as well? Not really. So we do have a tree climbing program, which is pretty unique. There's not a lot of um other organizations that do that around here in Iowa. So we do put on some tree climbing troops and groups, but otherwise we don't do a lot of programming in what would be like our off season. We used to, but anymore, we kind of focus on camp. Wow. That's pretty cool. Got to show up if you want to get it. Like you'll have to come. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. You have to the door. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Kind of going back a little ways in your history of working at camp. I'm very curious to know, Who were some people that inspired you to kind of have the position that you have today? And what did they do to do that? Growing up at Camp Tanglefoot, I mentioned that at Sacagawea, there was like a new camp director every couple of years, every few years. At Tanglefoot, it's the very opposite. So the camp director that I grew up with ended up being there for almost 30 years. And the camp director before her was also there for about 30 years. So I got to like grow up with the camp director that I actually worked for at the first summer that I worked there. So I would say just the counselors and other staff at Tanglefoot and just the culture and atmosphere there really influenced my decision to work at camp. And then I was very lucky to be able to work for one of my coworkers now, Julia, who is the camp director at Tanglefoot. She was my boss when I first started and she has so much knowledge and so much passion for camp that I think I learned a lot from her, especially in the first year. And now she is not my boss anymore. We are coworkers and I couldn't imagine working with somebody somebody else. I don't know how that would work actually. <laughs> we worked <laughs> together for so long. But yeah, I think the camp directors that I have known growing up and like in the first few years of being a camp director really had a huge influence on how I run stuff now. I know your camp name, but I was wondering if you would share with our listeners what's the story behind your camp name as well. Yeah, so my camp name is Rafiki, like in The Lion King. At Camp Joy Hollow, my camp name was Captain um, because I was a sailing captain, which means I could take my own sailboat out with kids or with other staff members at Camp Tinglefoot. And so I ran with that camp name for a couple years. And when I got to be the director at Camp Sacagawea, I thought that kind of sounded pretty authoritarian. I was, <laughs> it was a little bit much for me. <laughs> That's not how I like to run things. I don't want to be like the captain. So it took me a really long time that first year that I 
decided I was going to change it, I took the entire off season and went through every nature word that you can think of, every Disney character you can think of, <laughs> artifacts like salt and pepper and, you know, all of those types of things, all the plants, and settled on Rafiki because I think without Rafiki, there would not have been the Lion King. He just like a very friendly, like wise person who just gives advice, but doesn't necessarily like take charge all the time. So yeah, absolutely. yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. You mentioned you were sailing at your last camp. Were you yeah. involved with like Girl Scout Mariners? I was one time. So when I was in high school and working at Camp Tanglefoot, the Mariners program tried to come back. And so they were the Mariners like group. And then we went out in May once, but it was obviously an experience that has stuck with me for sure that didn't last very long so I haven't been super involved with Mariners yeah Yeah. that's something I don't hear about as much in fact I didn't really find out about it until I was really an adult in the organization but yeah I'm very curious to get a Mariner on here (laughs) yeah as I mentioned before there's been a lot of guests that I've had on the Camp Kids podcast that have either worked at Camp Sefjui or passed kind of through like I have And I attribute that to your great leadership. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) And so I'm very curious to know about the structure of your leadership philosophy and what is important for a camp leader to be able to have such a successful program. Wow, Joe Bob, that's a big question. So it took me a really long time to come up with this answer. So I've been a camp director at Sacagawea for 10 years. And if you would have asked me this question in the first couple of years, somebody did ask me this, like, what's your camping philosophy in the first couple of years? And I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, even know what that means. But um, I have thought about it more. So I think a couple things. One is that I think it's pretty common to hear, but I think servant leadership is a huge part of it, meaning that you are there to serve others you're in a leadership position to help other people become better leaders and become the best that they can be so that's kind of foundational in in making sure that people have the chance to grow which is what I like to help the staff do during the summer at Sacagawea which maybe also contributes to some of them not coming back in the summer I've realized I grow them out of camp sometimes I also think that in the last couple of years, I've realized that being a good leader also means setting good boundaries for yourself. So being an example for staff, setting those boundaries of time, like having time off for yourself. It's like the airplane oxygen mask theory, right? Like you can't help other people if you don't help yourself first. So being willing to take time to yourself when you need it or tell staff, this is not the time that we can talk about this. This is the time that I need for myself is also really important to not burn out too. Yes. Which can be so hard to find, especially when you're in the middle of the summer, in the middle of the season. (laughs) But yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. I'm also curious to know what does uh, leadership look like for your campers as well? What kind of programs do you offer and what do the campers kind of take away from these trainings? Yeah, well, we're always trying to improve leadership for campers because, you know, Girl Scouts is supposed to be girl-led and sometimes feels kind of hard to do that at camp, right? So much is already planned for them. But our leadership program overall kind of starts in, oh, our LITs. So they're eighth and ninth graders. They're leaders in training. So they only come for a week. And part of their week is spent learning about what a good leader is or what type of leader they are or would like to be. 
And then they also do a service project at CAM. After that, they can go to our CIT program. So we have a counselor in training one and two, which is a three-week program. And it's called counselor in training. But a lot of times we also try to incorporate, if you want to be a teacher, these are some of the skills that you need. If you want to be in social services, This is these are kind of the skills that you need to have to interact with people on a day-to-day basis and be a leader in those places too. But a really cool part of our, I would consider it part of our leadership program is our Trek and Travel Boundary Waters trip. It's 12 kids who get to go up to Minnesota and go to the backcountry and camp for five days. So they're not quite like formally leaders, but they get a lot of good leadership leading their peers in that session. So they get to read maps and navigate. They get to plan their meals. They get to be in charge of cooking meals and and cook groups and canoe groups and things like that. So, yeah. Absolutely. I've firsthand seen your counselor and training program. I think you guys do such a good job of balancing like, okay, you're here to learn how to become a counselor. Here's some practical skills and applications, but also here are some fun things because you're at camp. You're here to also you know, have an enjoyable time as well. So I know I've loved firsthand seeing that program. Yeah, you're still a camper as a CIT. You need to have some fun too. Absolutely. And you've seen it firsthand, but you were actually a CIT counselor at Sacagawea and you did a great job. Those kids had a wonderful experience. To be a part of that too. It gave me a whole different side of seeing camp. So thank you so much for giving me that opportunity. Now you've been um, directing for a long time and You've navigated through the COVID shutdown and everything. So I'm very curious to know what things have you seen change? Yeah, I think this is my 11th summer. A lot has changed. I think when I started, everyone at uh, camping conferences was talking about how to work with millennials and how do we like work with them. And I'm a millennial and I was like, it's not that hard to work with millennials, (laughs) right? But now when I go to conferences, everyone's like, well, how to work with Gen Z and like what to like do. And I'm like, oh, wow, now I'm that old person. (laughs) But like generationally, the people who work at camp now are not in my generation, which is a huge perspective shift for me. Um, I used to be the same age as everybody that worked at camp and now I'm not. But overall in camping, I think we saw this big dip in attendance at camps across the country. There was kind of like a, oh my gosh, is camp going to survive this? Like people aren't signing up. And now, especially after COVID, we've seen this huge uptick, this huge like, well, camps are full. Like we don't have any more space. Like we need more counselors. Um, People are coming back to camp, I think, because they've seen parents and and adults have seen the the benefits the social benefits of having kids come to camp during the summer and so that's kind of a huge shift that I think we've seen in the past 10 years I can't remember is the camp Sacagawea page or Girl Scouts of Greater Iowa it was like right before camp had started and you had they had made a post that like oh the people on the wait list are now going to be able to be pushed through and I was like yay like what a a great problem to have like this is awesome it's good to see that Programs are thriving and we're getting kids back outdoors again. That's wonderful. The other thing that I think you didn't specifically ask about changes since the pandemic, but I think that's like the front of everyone's mind, right? That's like the dividing line is like 2020. I think you can come at this two different ways. I think kids seemed a little bit more immature than they were before COVID as far as like what you would expect from an age group, especially like our, you know, elementary 
transitioning into middle schoolers. But I think also if you look at that from a different perspective, it just means that kids got to be kids for a little bit longer, which I think is pretty awesome. And we saw that at camp that we expected them to be just a little bit more mature and like, you know, a little bit more worldly and they acted more like they were in elementary school still. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. They just, our expectations have to shift a little bit, but they got to be kids for just a little bit longer, which was cool. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And I think at least in education, we're starting to see it kind of go back to the maturity. It's not necessarily a bad thing, as you said, but they are starting to get a little bit more mature Mm -hmm. as they get younger now. We're a little bit more removed from Mm -hmm. the shutdown. So, well, my next one's a big one. I'll I'll go and warn you. What is the most important lesson you've learned from camp? Oh my gosh. The most important lesson I've learned from camp. I struggle to answer questions like this because I think a lot of my life is just infused with camp. Just my whole life has been camp. I think if I had gone somewhere else and done something else, it would be easier to look back and say, oh, that I do that because of camp. One of the biggest things I've learned from camp is to not take myself too seriously. I was, like I said, pretty homesick and I'm just a little socially anxious generally. I can look back to a camp sing before dinner where I was just a little too self-conscious to get up and be silly and sing. And there was just this moment where, you know, like camp clicked and like, I was like, oh, like no one cares especially at camp, like what I look like when I sing this silly song and be crazy. I kind of have to remind myself of that sometimes, especially at camp, but in everyday life, like people do care maybe, but the lesson from camp is that like, does it matter if they care? Like, I <laughs> does it matter as long as I'm, you know, being appropriate, blah, blah, blah. But it, you can just be yourself. Your people will come and find you. And a lot of times those are camp people. I love to know what is your funniest camp story? I have quite a few funny camp stories. One of my favorites is from, I think, the first year I was the director at Sacagawea. So one of the side effects of having a new camp director every two or three years is that your office accumulates stuff, you know, records that you don't need anymore. I cleaned everything. I reorganized the office. And one of the things that I found was a short lockable file cabinet that was like steel, very heavy duty. And it had old records in it that I got rid of, but I didn't want it anymore. And so I was going to throw this away. Like I was, you know, doing things myself. I was getting things done and I loaded it up on a golf cart and I drove it over to the dumpster and I myself picked it up and shoved it in there it was super heavy and it went thud at the bottom and then I stopped and I thought a trash compactor can't compact a steel file cabinet (laughs) what am I doing (laughs) that's not gonna go that's gonna like break the trash truck so I like in a dumpster that gets picked up by a trash truck and come to find out file cabinet in there so oh man my risk manager that year her name was kite and she's still one of my really good friends but I panicked and told them this whole entire story and I was like we have to get it out of the dumpster and they were like you're kidding and I was like no (laughs) but I can't do this part myself so that didn't work so button ended up in the dumpster lifting this 
file cabinet out so that Kite and I could pull it out. And this would all happen in, you know, at nighttime under the cover of darkness <laughs> <laughs> at night because I was so embarrassed. I didn't want anyone to know that I had made this huge mistake. So. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I love that. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Yeah. This is kind of a fill in the blank question. And okay. I have to say, I took this from another camp podcast. Here's the fill in the blank. When I think about my camp experience, never did I think that I would blank. Never did I think that I would spend a thunderstorm in a bathroom using hand soap as hair gel in a styling contest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that sounds like another story. How did we, how did you get to that point? Yeah, so one of the first years that I worked at camp, there was a huge thunderstorm and we were moving kids in the middle of the night um, into one of the buildings and the group had to walk all the way across camp and this thunderstorm morning came a little too late so we ended up in the bathroom the like cinder block bathroom building and we had to stay in there for a little while and so to keep the kids entertained we did like a toilet paper roll broom race you know pushing a toilet paper roll around the circle of the bathroom and when we got bored from that one of our counselors had pretty short hair she had just cut her hair and she said why don't we just let them style my hair with hand soap which was the only thing that we had that would keep her hair standing up and I was like are you are you, are you sure <laughs> um and she was like yeah I, it'll just wash out so spent a good chunk of time letting campers style her hair with hand soap from the bathroom oh my goodness that's incredible well if anybody listening finds themselves you know in a bathroom mm-hmm. with a storm shelter there's a couple great ideas for you <laughs> yeah use what you have that's right yeah especially in those circumstances I do have to say I always appreciated when I've been out with you at Camp Sacagawea when you've always had some people from the leadership come around and be like tut tut looks like rain tonight um we're gonna go ahead and move you now yeah so you're gonna move in the middle of the night yeah let's have a sleepover you work at camp during the summer and then you do things that help out camp Um, and get camp ready during the fall and during the spring, I'd be curious to know what's something that you could bring from camp during the summer into that off-season time and what would it be? Two things. I think the like easy top of mind answer is the people. So in the off-season, in that like prep time, it is very solitary. And I know our property manager Bobcat also feels this way that it's pretty lonely sometimes in the winter being the only person at camp or even when I go up there and it's just me and Bobcat it gets pretty lonely up there so the people would be something I'd bring with the other thing is the food (laughs) Um, oh my goodness yes (laughs) I fully enjoy someone cooking breakfast lunch and dinner for me in the summer (laughs) it's a hard uh, transition back in the fall Oh my goodness, yes. I agree with that. If you could change one thing about your camp experience, what would it be? I think just my philosophy on life is that not everything happens for a reason, but that like you learn something from everything that happens to you. Um, so there were some really not great years there between like 2013, 14, 15 that the, the boss that I had was not great. And so I want to say I would change how I worked with that situation but at the same time 
experiencing her leadership has taught me some of the things not to do um, and yes. taught me that, what type of leader I don't want to be. And so without those experiences, I don't know that I would be the same leader that I am today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate yeah. it. What is your favorite Kiaf song? It's called White Wings, and it's actually three different songs from one of the world wars. Um, but it's pretty long. And so my other camp favorite camp song. Oh, okay. Did you um, learn that one at Camp Tanglefoot then? Yep, I learned that one at Camp Tanglefoot. I think if you end up interviewing anyone from Camp Tanglefoot or hear of someone who worked there, it's just we sing all the time, literally, almost all the time. Oh, wow. <laughs> Constant singing. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, if you're comfortable, I would love for you to be able to share one of your favorite songs and sing it here on the podcast. Would that be something you would be comfortable doing? Yeah. Awesome. I'll sing I'm Proud to Be Me because it's pretty short and it's one that I used to sing when I lost things at camp. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, so it goes like this. I'm proud to be me, but I also see you're just as proud to be you. We may look at things a bit differently, but lots of good people do. It's just human nature, so why should I hate you for being as human as I? We'll live and let live and we'll get as we give and we'll all get along if we try. I'm proud to be me, but I also see you're just as proud to be you. It's true, you're just as proud to be you. Oh, that's such a good one. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. I might have to teach that one to my kids in my classroom. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> that's a very good one. Next question. What is your favorite camp meal? It is a recent one. In the last few years, we have started making teriyaki chicken and egg rolls for lunches at camp. And I am a sucker for a frozen from the box egg roll. <laughs> that's my favorite. Yeah, absolutely. What is your favorite camp tradition? At Camp Tanglefoot, we have our final campfire. And then we walk from final campfire, which is kind of on one side of camp in a single file line through camp to the waterfront, which is so camp take that's on the lake. And each camper and each staff member gets to put out wishing boats. So you walk onto the dock and a lifeguard lights your candle in your little boat. And then you make a wish for yourself and you make a wish for camp or for someone else. And then you put it on the lake and you get to see them all float out into the middle. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did that at my home camp, too. We called yeah. it wish boats. We did it in the pool, though. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, oh, I love that tradition. Oh, my goodness. Did you guys make your boats as, like, a craft and stuff like that, too? Or did you just use blocks of wood? What did that look like? No, so they're little, like, wide Dixie cups with a birthday candle in them. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so then they get passed out at, on your way down the dock. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I would love to see that. Who should I interview next? If you haven't talked to Flounder Taylor, she's been a camper at camp, CIT at camp. She worked in the kitchen. She uh, was all the way up to working in our office, which is really cool. And then I'd like to recommend somebody from Camp Tanglefoot. One of my great, great friends, Kate O'Donnell. So Camp Tanglefoot does not have camp names. Uh, Kate O'Donnell, uh, would be a great person to interview about camp. She's very passionate about it. Awesome. And yes, I believe I have Flounder as well. I remember I ran into her at the Mud Run this last oh, yeah. year. So I was like, oh, hi. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Oh, somebody and else that would be really good. Sorry. Somebody else would be really good is 
Chipper. Yes, I have reached out to Chipper. Okay. So okay. Awesome. Love to get her all of her experience as well, especially because she had such a big impact in both your council. Yeah. And, yeah. With Camp Liberty. So. Yeah. Starting to notice a pattern. Uh-huh. Uh, I was just, I had interviewed someone from last week, one of the New Jersey Girl Scout councils, mm-hmm. and it's very common that camps within the same council now, and I don't know if it was because of the merging of councils that had happened mm-hmm. long ago, but oftentimes one camp will do camp names and the other camp won't do camp names. Is it really I, that common? It, it really is. It was even a thing in my home council, except oh. we just kind of looked at the one camp that didn't have camp names and go, and you're going to start now. <laughs> so, so I didn't, I don't know if you knew anything about that, but it seems to be very common nowadays that some camps do camp names and some camps just don't. I think, so I listened to your podcast. Was it Michael? Yes. I think what he had to say about like make that genuine connection with other people, like between counselors and campers sometimes is part of the reason that maybe camps do that. I know at Camp Tanglefoot, when I worked there, we were very proud that we didn't have camp names for whatever reason, you know, like a teenager. It's one of the traditions there that like you don't have a camp name. Say, I'm just starting to realize too, you know, interviewing people that you can still have Camp Whimsy, you can still have a camp Mm -hmm. persona and still carry your same name, just the birth name that was given to you. So yeah, I love that. What do you miss the most from camp when... Either you're not working or it's not during the summertime. I miss, from my home camp, from Camp Tanglefoot, I miss the singing. We sang before every meal. We sang while we cleaned up for meals. So I miss the number of songs, like the variety that we have. And they're still all up there in my brain. So I miss singing all the time. But in 2020 was the first year since I was... 16 that I didn't spend at camp we didn't have camp so I really just missed the whole atmosphere the whole community of camp I still talked to staff members that year we still had like a virtual camp kind of but I realized that if that was going to be my whole job I couldn't do it if I had to do everything virtually and not in person so I don't know it's really about the people this is just more for my curiosity since I'm a musician everything but have you thought about adding more like songs or singing to Camp Sacagawea or is that a pretty like clear distinction just in tradition I know that you're very passionate about that I introduce a few new songs every year and there are quite a few songs that we sing now that we didn't when I first got to Camp Sacagawea we don't have the same tradition of nightly campfires I don't think as I did when I worked at Camp Tanglefoot so every single night there was a campfire and you sat down around the campfire and you taught songs and you sang songs And then at the end of the week, you spent an entire week teaching kids a longer song called a final that they then would perform in front of the rest of camp as their like final camp song. And no one was allowed to sing those songs outside of that last day of camp. So, and you like taught children these songs. So they had them memorized when they got up there and the camp director would play her guitar. And so I think there's just a little bit more singing that goes on. And so naturally when you do more singing kids remember the songs better or staff remember the songs better and I think to do that at Camp Sacagawea we'd have to add you know more traditional campfires every single night and things like that right yeah I would agree with that the programming of Camp Tanglefoot sounds very similar to my home camps yeah we would do the same thing for parent pickup we would have a couple of 
we would sing after every meal so they would have it memorized. Yeah. <laughs> it was ingrained in the camp capers, like when you're doing mm-hmm. your caper, you're singing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Are you currently hiring staff for the summer? And if you are, where can people go and apply? Yeah, I am currently hiring staff. So we have plenty of positions open, especially ropes course counselors on our maybe brand new, potentially most likely brand new ropes course this year. Uh, So get excited. So uh, our website does have a pretty fabulous breakdown of how much all of our positions get paid as well for camp. So our pay is up there, but it's girlscoutsiowa.org. And then you have to click through camp and summer camp and camp employment. Awesome. I love that. Um, And just being someone from the outside, I can say your pay is very competitive. (laughs) I must say for the camp community, your pay is very competitive. Yeah. I love that you guys are able to to provide that and to be able to do that for your staff members. That's wonderful. And then my last question is, this makes me sound really old, but email is the best way to get a hold of me. (laughs) I have found that now having a child, I don't get on social media as much for conversation as I used to. My email address is asmith at gsio.org. I do have an Instagram. I believe it's abscaban. Those were all of the questions that I have for you. Was there anything else that you wanted to share or mention while you're here on the podcast. I super enjoy this podcast, Joe Bob. You are doing a great job. I love hearing about everybody's like when they were camp kids. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, we just don't have really a community of people for like camp people, at least people who are like me, who are not necessarily camp professionals, but Mm -hmm. also people who are like you too, who are camp professionals and just want to be in community with others who think similarly and you know, go about their way of life in that same way. I mean, there's other communities for specific camps that I have found, but I've yet to find something that's been long lasting that's like this. So especially in Girl Scouts, for some reason, like you would think that there was something like this that like spans councils and spans like years and there's not for some reason. I agree. And especially now with the closing of camps, Mm -hmm. the just people don't have an outlet as they used to. So Yeah, I'm just hoping that this will continue and we'll be able to share it all over the world. Thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom and everything on the podcast. All right, Camp Kids, that was Rafiki. Make sure to contact them if you have any questions and check out all the links in the show notes. If you are enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Let's keep our Camp Kids community growing by spreading it to others who are a part of this camp community. Please leave a rating or review, preferably a five-star rating, so that others can find this podcast as well. Next week, we have another interview with one of my dear friends who was a counselor with me for many years at my home camps. You'll have to stay tuned in for next week to find out who that is. That's all that I have for you now, but remember, this is good night and not goodbye.